Now, we're going to talk about the word favor a bit tonight. But he said again, it's through what Jesus Christ has done that we now have an access by one Holy Spirit to the Father. And by our faith, we are now going to find ourselves standing in this grace. Actually, I'm just going to read on down. He said, verse 3, Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. And this, this, again, is so hard for so many Christians to understand. You know how in James 1, have you all read the verse in James 1 where it says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have its perfect work, making you perfect and entire, one in nothing, and so on. It's amazing when you really think about what God's trying to communicate. He said, if, he said, count it all joy when you find yourself, and the Greek says, when you find yourself surrounded with trials and testings and temptations. He said, count it, count it all joy. In other words, what the word means is that you're supposed to add up, if you were to write down every trial that you're going through right now, every testing and temptation, you write them all down on a piece of paper, you draw a line under them, you add them up. That's what count it means. You add them up. And he said, you need to let it equal joy. Right? And all of you do that already, don't you? Right? He said, count it all joy. And again, you have to ask yourself this question. Is God some kind of a sadist? In other words, is he some kind of a divine, uh, you know, idiot that's up there saying, I want you to count it all joy. I want you to rejoice, and again I say rejoice, like it says in Scripture. The word rejoice in the Greek means brighten up. I want you to rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Jesus said in John, he said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world of the power to harm you. I mean, he says that over and over again. Over and over again, he said, you need to understand the power of joy. And he said, you have to allow the joy of what? has happened to you in the realm of the spirit outweigh anything that's happening to you in the realm of the natural. He said, there is a way. And see, this is again, if we ever catch up to what God has done in Christ, you will not be, well, you'll be, what I always say is you'll be delivered from the panic syndrome. Because let's be honest, most of us, we have, we're faced with things every day. Bills come that we're not expecting Something doesn't happen that we hoped was going to happen. And we have the chance to just throw up our hands and we want to panic and say, you know, nothing's working. It's not worth it or what have you. But God has this spiritual truth. He wants us to get so deep in our lives that when things do surround us like that, we're still able to carry forward our life in a place of joy. Now, let me say real quickly, there's a difference between joy and happiness. When you study the words out, happiness is a soulish emotion. Happiness happens here in the soul. In other words, you, you get the car you want, you get the girl you want, you get the guy you want, you get the books you want, you get the money you want, and you get happy. But how many of you know if you don't get the money you want, if you don't get the girl you want, if you don't get the guy you want, if you don't get the job you want, if you don't get the car you want, you can be unhappy. But it says that happiness is a soulish emotion but it says that joy is a spiritual force. And joy is something that's supposed to be living deeply in our spirit, man, because our minds have been renewed to what God has done for us in the realm of the spirit. That's why, again, all these verses count it all joy. When you, in other words, don't let it move you. Don't let it move you from what really is taking place. 
And here again in Romans 5, we see another verse. So there's so many verses that speak about it. And listen to how Paul says it here. Now, now as we read this, remember, you need to, like in Hebrews says, you need to reckon all your trials. In other words, you need to compare all your trials to the trials that Jesus Christ went through so that you don't faint in your minds and run. But remember in this day, Paul's speaking to the church of Rome here, and he's about to talk about how they need to be full of joy in the midst of their tribulations. Remember that their tribulations that these Christians were going through were just a little bit different than ours, in that a Roman officer any day of the week, if he wanted to, could stop you and take your life. He could take your wife. He could take your children. He could kill you. He could take your land. He could take your house. And this, they were living in a deep, deep time. You know what I mean? These were serious issues. People died, were dying every day for totally you know, un, unjust reasons, especially in Rome. Rome was the seat of all Roman authority, of course. You know, that's where Caesar, Caesar was in control. So when Paul is writing these, these are Roman, these are Christians that are converted to Christ. They're living in and around Rome itself at the seat of all Caesar's government and military power. And in the midst of this, Paul is saying, guys, verse 2 again, he said, through him, again, he said, you need to really understand what's happened in your acceptance of Jesus Christ. He said, you know, you've received an authority on the inside of you that's more powerful than any worldly authority that will ever reign. And he said again, through him also, we have our access, our entrance and introduction by faith into this grace, this state of God's favor. So you may be out of favor with man, but you'll never be out of favor with God. He said, in which we firmly and safely stand. And verse three, now let me go to it because that's joy thing. He said, moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings. Now be honest, how many of you do that? How many of you do this? I mean, how many of you are able to, it says here, Triumph in your troubles and rejoice in your sufferings. I mean, if you're honest, it's not the first thing that you respond with, is it? Is it? Unless you're super holy. <laughs> but the point is, the point is, whether you understand this or not, there can be something working so deep in your spirit. The revelation of your salvation by grace that you can face things that you otherwise never would have been able to face with such peace. I mean, you know, I often ask my past students, you know, in this nation in particular, I ask people in churches how many of them have ever read the classic book, you know, Fox's Book of Martyrs. And uh, it's amazing that so many church leaders haven't even, in this nation, haven't even read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a historical book telling about how the original apostles, how they died, how they were martyred, and all through history up until today. But I mean, right here in London, you know, those of you that know even a little bit of the history, you go over to Smithfield Market or you go over to some of these places and there's all these memorials to where these people were burnt at the stake for their faith. They would not deny Jesus Christ. Something was working so deeply in their spirit that even what they were faced with with execution didn't move them. One of, my, one of the most powerful stories of all is, the, is, a, is two men who were born of God, born from above, and... The big thing was Rome then trying to get them to, to repent, as it were, of uh, they, Rome. There was a Catholicism thing where they wanted them to totally deny their faith in Jesus and continue to observe only the Pope as the Holy Father. 
But because they would not renounce their faith, Latimer, there's this two, the two men here in London, their names were Latimer and Ridley. And when you read about how they died, you know, they were brought before a court and they were told, you know, that they had to renounce their faith or else be burnt at the stake and they wouldn't do it. But right here in this city, you can read the story when Latterman Ridley, when they, they, what, the way they burned him at the stake, they had piles and piles of sticks. Now, don't laugh at me, but the sticks were all wrapped up in bundles. They were called faggots. <laughs> and there were all these pile and piles of sticks, and they'd put around it. And what they would do is they would, to speed up the execution, they would take little bags, tiny little bags of gunpowder, and put them around their waist or hang around their necks. So when the flames would come up, ideally, this gunpowder would explode and it would kill them quicker. Well, they didn't do a very good job with Latimer and Ridley, but long story short, as they began to burn them and they gave them one more chance and they wouldn't, Latimer began to sing praises unto God. But the thing that gets me, I'm just to cut to the chase, while they're burning to death, the witnesses, and these are all legitimate stories you can read about, the man, his body, his lower half of his body from his thighs down were burnt off, okay? The powder hadn't exploded. Something had gone wrong. These guy, the guy, half of his body was burnt off. The other guy, his leg, one of his legs was burnt off, one of his arms, and he began to scream. And Latimer turns to Ridley and says this words. And he, now think, his body is half burned off. He's singing a song to God, and he says these words. He says, Ridley, he said, play the man, Ridley. He said, let our bodies light such a wick, you know, a candle wick, let our bodies light such a wick this day in England that the gospel flame never goes out. Mm 